0: Baseline right. Leads to step in. Shoots a shot. back it up. Miss it. No good. And the Gators get the ball. Tyron Jones with a rebound. Four seconds left. Jones plays it ahead. Here's Appleby for a game winner. A three ball. Yes. It's good. It's good. It's good. How good! Tyree
1: Appleby?
0: next out a three ball. A high to the right from 25 feet. And the Gators have stolen the game. The Gators have won. The Fort Myers to both attack. 1 and Ohio State
1: 68. Nick, oh my! I had to say it for you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman. On this show, we will recap the Fort Myers tip-off classic uh, two big Florida wins. We talked about the cow win or the spaces, so we'll gloss over that. Break down the win over Ohio State, discuss Florida's win Sunday afternoon over Troy, and preview this week's trip to Oklahoma. So Eric Fossil will be joining me. Thank you to Learfield for the audio uh, of McHubert's call, Tyree Appleby's game-winning three in Fort Myers. We appreciate that. Hope you guys enjoy the show. hello and welcome to Florida basketball hour i am neil blackman saturday down south joined by eric fawcett gatorcountry.com among many other places eric it's been been a busy week how you doing
0: <laughs> i'm doing very well it's a good week of basketball and uh it's good to be talking about it sorry to everyone that we can't just you know be putting out shows before every game after every game uh i know some people are tweeting at the show and saying like oh when's the next one and we are very glad that uh you desire that, that many episodes, but, uh, sometimes a little tough to deliver, especially during Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, Neil, how actually there, there's a good place to start. How was your Thanksgiving?
1: Yeah, man, it was really good. Um, obviously, you know, crisscross the state little time in, in the fort, uh, for some, some great basketball, big win over Cal shout out to the family that made, uh, Friday night possible because goodness gracious, um, what an epic one that was. Um, and, and to have the chance to catch it live was, was very meaningful and special. Um, and four day, four years to the day of the great PK 80 win over Gonzaga that I also had had the good fortune of being in the building for. So I'm just going to keep going to these feast week tournaments, Eric, like, like as a college basketball fan, I mean, like I love feast week. It's so great.
0: Oh, it's the best and i mean that's something that's just great what about being a canadian where it's not thanksgiving Our thanksgiving is in october so uh those days i'm just spent like watching college basketball and football um so uh it's with no family obligations so it's great so i i unfortunately haven't taken in any of these legendary games live but uh, I I like that you pointed out that it was like on the anniversary of the PK-80 game which was so awesome and and this game was like the similar but opposite of the PK-80 game where in the PK-80 against Gonzaga it was all about just ridiculous shot making and offense and this game against Ohio State was the opposite and it was physical kind of all defense and uh, times where both teams were kind of struggling to make shots
1: Yeah, no, there, I mean, it seemed like for a while, you know, Ohio State only trusted uh, EJ Liddell to make baskets for them. Um, that certainly was their strategy down the stretch. And and I think we hinted to it at the preview, although we, and certainly in the spaces that we did, we talked about how they were going to miss Dwayne Washington in that sense. But I was surprised, like Justin Aarons made like a huge three in the second half and they didn't go back to him or run anything for him after that.
0: Yeah, kind of an interesting one for sure, and and he is kind of one of those those flammable type shooters that uh, can really get it going. So um, I don't know exactly how much of that was 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 in their offense, but uh, at the same time as well, I mean, they kind of got everything they wanted out of the out of the low post, and that was one thing that just we did talk about that that continued to be um, kind of a problem. And uh, again, I think it's one of those things where Florida is kind of fine with Colin Castleton guarding post ups, but it's these teams that put someone at the four and it was like, yeah, whether it was Zed Key or EJ Liddell or, or Kyle Young, it's just, um, they're just, you know, quite frankly, they're just bigger and, and stronger than DeRuji who's, you know, has length, but when you've got a bigger, more f- strong guy, just taking him to his body, the, the length doesn't, it's not as important. So, uh, so that was kind of an interesting kind of matchup versus um Florida on the other end, who was going through their guards a little bit more. And uh, that's what made it such a, such an interesting matchup.
1: Yeah, it did. And Florida was I you know, I don't want to say they were fortunate because I certainly thought that um some of it was what Florida was doing. In particular, CJ Felder drew two of the fouls that uh Kyle Young picked up, but it was very fortuitous that Florida was able to get Kyle Young out of the game because he was another one who was kind of eating underneath when he was playing.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And uh uh one thing I actually do which kind of is unfortunate that I feel like I definitely missed out on when we were talking about the the preview of the game is is Ohio State does have some some pretty serious injuries and um with Seth Towns who's a player that went to Harvard and was like definitely like i i pretty much ever thought he was going to be an NBA player he's just had all kinds of injury Um, bad luck, and that has continued, and that's why I wasn't playing against the Gators, and Justice suing another kind of veteran guard, not guard wing. Um, So they actually have a couple of good players that didn't play against the Gators. So uh, that's one thing as well that actually I I did want to point out, because I feel like we kind of missed pointing it out on on the preview, was just like uh, they have some good players that are probably going to be ready at the end of December or maybe even January. Uh, so I think that Ohio state, while they're, you know, we saw obviously against the Gators, they're a really good basketball team. Uh, they have some serious attrition coming. So I could see them um, being really good in the big 10. And that just means this win is going to age even better for the Gators, which is great.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And and the flip side of it, of course, Florida, it appeared like Florida was uh, finally healthy down in Fort Myers with, with CJ Felder playing more extended minutes and looking like he had positive pep in his step and jump. We saw him uh, slam down an offensive rebound, which, you know, earlier in the year in the season opener, he, he couldn't dunk on a breakaway. So, um, you know, I think that's a pretty good sign, obviously, if you're a Gators fan and then, uh, you know, they got um, 33 minutes out of Flan Fleming um, and just a monster game from him uh, really could have used justice suing if you were Ohio state to, to deal with uh Mr. Fleming, because he was all over the place with, with 19 points, um, a couple offensive rebounds, and something I mentioned before the season that made me very happy, just constantly getting in the paint, drawing contact, going to the free throw line, knocking down his free throws. Yeah, that's one thing that's – you know, Florida really did get
0: stuck for the, a lot of that game defensive – or sorry, offensively. And, uh, man, if it was like some of these past teams where they struggled to get to the free throw line – Um, I don't know where a lot of those points would have come from. So uh, Flanders Fleming's ability to continue to get into the paint and, and draw contact. I mean, man, that was, that was huge for the Gators. And then of course, like you added um, gave some pretty key fouls to some key players for Ohio state. So again, like if Flanders Fleming isn't attacking like that, man, this game could have been different. And again, again, like this is the kind of game that Florida just like hasn't won the last couple of years. Like, in in prep, like not to jump the gun here, but, you know, in preparation for um, the Oklahoma game, thinking about the last time they played Oklahoma in the battle for Atlantis, it kind of had this kind of a feel of a game where like both teams were struggling to score. And like, you just never really felt like the Gators were going to win that one. And you also look at some of those matchups with Butler and UConn. And again, just some of these games in the last couple of years, it's just like, if, if the game had the kind of feel that the game against Ohio state had, the Gators were not winning those games and now they are and i think that one of the things you really look at that's what's different about this team than those last teams uh, a lot of the categories kind of similar uh, but then you look at the you know you look at the free throw column and the ability to get to the foul line and that's just something that's totally different um here for this year's Gators and uh i just one thing also just to go back to cj felder for just a moment cuz i wanted to pull it up and i didn't earlier um so cj felder he led the Gators in plus minus he used plus 12 um anthi was minus 4 and i don't think Anthony deruji was particularly bad or anything like that i, I don't really say m- point out his minus four i mean obviously he plays 24 minutes like to so minus four is you know it's not awful or anything um but to see that it was kind of like him or cj felder on the floor they were on together for very briefly um but those minutes went a lot better with cj felder and i think a lot of it was uh with cj felder's just kind of like stoutness defensively that um worked a lot better in this matchup than uh than it did for deruji
1: I'm muted. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I thought, like I said, he two of the five fouls on Kyle Young, uh, where CJ Felder worked, and and I thought good calls. I, I thought it, um, and I will say this because you and I have talked a little bit about technical fouls over our four years together, and I just thought uh, Chris Holtzman, like I just thought that was a really stupid technical foul to get. Um, it was a good call. Uh, I get that he was frustrated because Ohio State was getting a lot of whistles, but so were the Gators. Look at the fouls at the end of the game. They ended up pretty even, Um, honestly. uh, I think we both think Bill Rafferty is excellent, and Rafferty thought the officials, while uneven, (laughs) while they blew the whistle a lot, were doing a good job. Um, You know, I think that's at least somewhat instructive. It was so fun to have Raff on the call at the end, which we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, I mean – I just thought kind of a silly technical and, and in the end, man, what a super costly one too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it probably was. I, I think the, the technical foul thing is, is pretty funny because
0: I know we obviously had on a preview the the Mike white technical over under, and in retrospect, we should have said like opponent technicals rooted in frustration at the Gators defense, because that looks like it's going to be a, a pretty, uh, pretty common occurrence. But, you know, I did mention that it seems like, uh, um, it seems like Mike White is going to be kind of like, not that he was ever someone who's a hothead, that's for sure. But, you know, I kind of, I remember whatever the over-under over under was. I took the under just thinking that, like, Mike White just wasn't going to be as frustrated as past years because it is such a veteran team. And um, we're we're kind of seeing that so far where it's like, no, the Gators are the ones kind of initiating things physically. So they are getting the benefit of the whistle. Again, I don't think it was like an unfair whistle, but I just think when you're the physical aggressor, you are going to get the benefit of the doubt. And we've seen that in the sec with some teams that are, you know, really good, like a Kentucky. And you also see it with teams that aren't as good, uh, like South Carolina. But the fact of the matter is just kind of the way basketball is officiated. now, uh, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. If you, if you're the team that kind of goes and and punches teams in the mouth. And I think that Florida's physicality on both ends, we're seeing it so far, um, I think has been, uh, pretty positive for them in the kind of, uh, in the kind of foul discrepancy.
1: Yeah, no, it's cool to, um, you know, one thing I, I saw in person and and Rafferty kind of mentioned when I was watching the replay was that, you know, Isha Liddell was doing a really good job of of doing what he wanted to get position in the post. And we can talk about how Kentucky – or Kentucky. Ohio State basically ran the same drag screen over and over again to get him space until Florida adjusted to it late. But uh, I really thought that um, one thing that Florida did do was continue to attack the ball and stay sound in their shell defense. And they forced five turnovers by EJ Liddell. So as good as his numbers were, you know, he still turned the ball over five times and Florida, converted those turnovers into seven points, Eric. Uh,
0: yeah, pretty big. And and again, especially when it's uh, somebody, you know, the ball's going to, going to, going to go through. And, uh, you know, as much as Florida's defense is obviously getting a lot of national attention right now, which is awesome. And uh, people, you know, love it. I, I still do think like, not to bring it, I, you know, I'm going to sound negative being like, I don't think that they're as good defensively as they've shown so far, but I do think there's going to be times where their lack of length and just straight athleticism are going to keep them from being like a monster defensive team. Like that is still the difference. When I look at like Baylor last year, um, you look at kind of the, the athleticism of their guards versus like Florida's like, there's, they're still different. So I think that there are going to be some matchups where, um, Florida's not going to be able to dominate defensively like they have. So I, I kind of like that they've still looked to gamble and, and be aggressive and, and get out in passing lanes. Cause uh, I do think that's going to be something that they'll, they'll need to do a little bit more in the sec season. So uh, for it to work against um, EJ Liddell, who very well could be the best player in college basketball this season, um, you know, pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, no. And I thought that's, and that's another thing is that, um, you know, I don't think Ohio State is is very fast relative to some of the teams that Forward will play in the SEC. But what I will say about um the Gators is that while they don't have great length in person, now that I've seen them a couple times live, this is a fast basketball team. The gators can really move, and you know, that's kind of an important component to playing great defense too. And I also think it's not just vertical quickness to your point earlier, like I mean, Anthony Derrick is still a little stiff, stiff getting side to side, but a lot of these guys are really bullish moving laterally. Felder, McKissick, uh, Fleming, although he's super long too, but um, still moves pretty well laterally. Niles Lane, um, although he doesn't play as much. You know, a lot of guys that can, can, you know, move both horizontally and vertically. So a very fast team. And I think that um, will at least compensate for some of that lap, lack of length, Eric.
0: So have you looked at uh, have you looked at Torvik uh, so far this year or recently I should say to see how uh, uh, where the Gators rank in those have you have you looked at that?
1: I have not, Eric. So
0: so Bart so Bart which I everyone knows that I'm a fan of, but one of the things that I really like is that you can filter out all the preseason projections so you can look at like exactly what just based off um based off what's happened this year which again is going to be flawed um you can see exactly uh where teams rank offensively and defensively so like again this is like to be kind of taken with a grain of salt it's such a small sample size like i think like wagner is like the 26th or 27th best team um in in bar if you were to go by that metric and the best team in the country would be arizona so like I don't think people think that. So it's, you know, it's to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. But uh, uh, the Gators are 44th offensively and 6th defensively. So I kind of wanted to see what your reaction was to those numbers, if it was what you expected or or what.
1: I mean, I think based on the fact that Florida has had these kind of spells in both the Troy game and the Ohio State game and even – in the the beginning of the cow game, before they started getting a lot of points off their press and transition, where they've been a little sluggish offensively, I still think they're trying to figure out this five out offense. I still think it's the right offense for them, Eric. And I'm interested if if you agree with that. But um, no, not really that surprised by it. Uh, you know, we talked about it. Florida has a commitment to play great defense. They're fast. They're not particularly long, but I think they're checking two of the three really important boxes. Um, I would say that there's a fourth box, which is scheme. And for the most part, I'm comfortable with what Florida does schematically uh, on defense. Um, Obviously, there were some times where I was wondering when they were going to start icing ball screens against Ohio State. They did finally make the adjustment in the nick of time. Um, And I do think, you know, at times Florida can get walloped in the pick and roll. We saw that a little bit in the second half against Cal, Uh, although they were really good at defending it against Troy. For whatever that's worth. Um, but yeah, so, uh, long winded answer to say no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I know there are some people after the, uh, on Twitter, after the Ohio state game that were like, Oh, what's, uh, what's Florida ranked in Ken Palm now. And I kind of, uh, Felt bad being the bear of bad news, but I was pretty sure Florida was going to drop and they actually did drop in Ken Palm after the Ohio State win. And it was largely related due to the fact that it was a very poor or sorry, not very, a somewhat poor defensive or sorry, offensive um, performance against a bad defense because you know Ohio State and again that's still like baked in with the preseason numbers but Ohio State is not a good defensive team by the numbers and Florida did not play well against them offensively so they dropped fairly considerably in offense and uh, um, ended up like dropping from like 13th or like 12th to 14th or something in camp on like that so which is just the the nature of it but yeah I, I I do think that Florida's running I'll say the right offense and that's kind of right relative to what the Gators have done, I would say in the the Mike White era, and you know even as specifically as the last couple of years. So I, I still think the groundwork's there. And I, again, not to jump the cue here and to start talking about Oklahoma, but Porter Moser's been one of, if not the best, five out offensive coaches in college basketball over the last four years. And Oklahoma runs some of that stuff. So like, if the Gators want to want to see how it can look, like go see how they run their pin down into dribble handoffs and how they run scissor action and, and stuff like that. I tweeted it out earlier, but um, so, so again, I, I do think that, that the Gators still have some, some of the subtleties of the five out that they need to change to get better. Like I think some of the angles of their dribble handoffs on the wing are non-threatening and kind of take away the effectiveness. Like if you're getting all these dribble handoffs that just get the ball handler going straight towards the half court line, that's not really effective. You got to get those guys downhill. So I think that there's just like little things like that, that will make the offense much better and that'll come. But no, I would say just like generally speaking. Yeah. I think it's the right offense. You can tell that the guys kind of go through it with the uh, go through all the progressions with like an energy that suggests that they like playing it as well, which like, man, there was times with the dribble drive and even the Prince in the last couple of years where you could just sell it. There was just like no conviction in any of the cuts. And that's when the offense dies. And it was probably one of those things where like, they didn't really trust the offense. So they didn't go through the offense hard and you can't really, you know, if you don't go through the offense hard, you're not going to get any good shots. And it was just kind of like an awful cycle. And uh, that's definitely not the case. So I I, I do like the offense. I could probably go for a few less Colin Castleton post-ups. I'd be interested if you have any different takes on that. But uh, no, generally thinking I, you know, I was the one who said I thought they'd be better offensively than defensively this year. Um, probably not going to end up being a good prediction, but I do think they are going to be much better than uh, the 44th ranked like they are in, in Bartorovic right now.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you to some extent on the post-ups. What I'd like to see them do is something they started to do a little bit in the Troy game is just cut better when Colin Castleton posts up. I, I didn't, uh, tweet out the fancy synergy video that that we get from eric Fawcett much of the time but there was one play in particular where they they fired the post to double colin castleton and myron jones just made a really simple and brilliant cut uh to the middle and then kicked out and florida got a wide open three uh, it's just a little a beautiful little segment and it's a great example of how when you start and five out and you get the post up as long as you're making good cuts off the ball it's easy to slice open and and beat the double teams um, because it creates numerical advantages. Quite obviously it's very simple math and, but you have to move off the ball. You can't be stagnant uh, and stationary. Florida got a little stagnant. I thought in the first segment of the second half. Um, And it was interesting to see Mike white take more or less an immediate timeout. And I don't know what was said in that huddle, but I can almost assure you it wasn't about defensive intensity. Like they were talking, they were talking about five out offense. Um, and, you know, moving without the basketball, making hard and committed cuts. So that's my kind of take on, on that post-up stuff. To, to that point, I do think Florida is showing that they are improving already a little bit offensively, if you believe in the, the Haslametrics uh, game performance ratings. Florida's actually improved on their preseason projections in every game, um, which is kind of impressive, actually. Uh, and... Um, especially impressive because against Ohio state, they shot 36% from the field, 28% from three and one anyway. Um, and they were 21.45 over their preseason baselines and then 28.50 over their efficiency baseline against Troy. Now, do I think they're going to shoot the way they did against Troy all season? <laughs> no, like I was kind of like, can y'all save that for Alabama, please? Um, but uh but still pretty impressive that Florida hasn't had a game that yet this year where they have performed under their preseason baselines.
0: Yeah. That hassle stat was crazy and really impressive. That just like speaks to how well the Gators are doing. And um, it's kind of interesting too. You still hear like a little bit on some broadcasts, a little bit on Twitter and some other people talking about the team that they're like, Oh, you know, I'm still concerned about the shooting. And I do find that kind of funny because like, do I think the team has shot, you know, great, like not really, but like, they're 140th in the country in three-point percentage, but they're 104th in attempts. So like a decent number of volume and, um, you know, a good conversion rate. And again, you kind of look at like each individual player and it's like, no one is really shooting above their heads. I would say like Tyree Albee's at 41%, Myron Jones is at 42%, but you've got, you know, Flanders Fleming, who's not shooting the ball. Well, 26% and Brandon McKissick, 23%. So like, you probably think those numbers are going to get better. So I know that we, like, I, I don't need to tell this to you, Neil. I mean, we've been the ones that are higher on Florida shooting, but like some of the narrative right now is just like, oh man, like, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but like Florida's got to shoot the ball better. And it's like, well, yeah, like, it'd be great to shoot the ball better. But if, if they stay where they're at right now is the 140th ranked team in terms of percentage. And, um, you know, in the upper third and 104th in the country in three point attempts, like good number of attempts, good, uh, efficiency like uh, i'm not too concerned so at the moment yeah i i personally don't really see shooting as a problem and i i do think they can be even better shooting the basketball which is obviously a pretty um a pretty easy way to make your offense look better like again florida's offense has been okay not great but you know if brandon mckissick is shooting instead of 23%, which is very reasonable. Offense suddenly looks a lot better. If Flanders Fleming's at 36% instead of 26%, looks a lot better just like that. So um, yeah, not not something I'm too concerned with.
1: Yeah, and I think they're running decent stuff to maximize the talent of their best players. Um, The way they space the floor is very beneficial to Flanders Fleming and some of the ways that they get him downhill against Ohio State were very helpful. He went to the free throw line, shot 10 free throws, on straight line drives where Florida had good spacing. Um, you actually tweeted out something on Myron Jones that we had discussed earlier in the season, getting Myron moving off the screens to, to help him shoot something that Florida's doing. We just saw his best performance uh, of the year against Troy, where he really, uh, knocked down those 30 foot rainbow jump shots that he takes. Uh, (laughs) I just don't, the ball goes so high. Uh, (laughs) Um, the, uh, And then, you know, obviously just making sure that they're committed to getting Colin Castleton the the ball um, either at the elbow uh, or in the post. I honestly, like to your point, the more I think about it, the more like I kind of like him faced up to the basket at the elbow a little bit more. Um, Yeah, there's been a couple turnovers on those drives, but more often than not, it's been pretty positive results. Um, Just eye test. I'm sure Eric Fawcett would – have more numbers on that than I do, but it seems like when he attacks the rim after being faced up at the elbow, he's getting fouled. Uh, like the worst case scenario for me is when he takes the 15 foot jump shot. Cause it seems like he shoots off his back foot a lot.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Those, those attempts have not looked good. He's only shot two threes, but they haven't looked good. And um, yeah, I, again, I would, I would kind of like it to get to the point where Florida can run something where he catches it at like the free throw line area, like you said, he faces up and he can know that the floor is spaced in such a way that he's going to be covered one-on-one so that he can turn and be decisive. Like, again, I think some of his kind of problems have been when he is kind of staring things down a little bit too much. And again, like I, I, think about like Tennessee who's ran those things for, for, you know, their front court players so well over the last four or five years, of course, it's usually with like a more like six foot seven, 230 pound, like, Grant Williams type than like a six foot 11 guy. But uh, again, like they were just so assertive catching the ball where they did at the free throw line and turning and attacking. And it's because they knew, okay, I know how this set is designed. I know when we're playing against man-to-man defense, no one can come over and double me. I can turn and attack right away knowing there won't be a hand digging in. And um, that's just, you know, really good offense. So I'd love to see Florida to kind of get to that point. And uh, again, right now we're, we're seeing some problems with, uh, not problems, but just you know, one of the things that Castleton just has not been great at through his career, and we've seen so far is you know he's not a great finisher at the rim, it, which is weird because you know he's got great touch on like his like sweeping right hand hook shot posting up, but when it comes to just you know going straight up and finishing through a little bit of contact, that's just not quite his skill set yet, and and as well as um, well, like you know we've seen that a couple of times, so again it's just kind of thinking like what is going to happen when you're playing the really good big men of, of the sec. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to dominate back to the basket. Like he has to the extent that he has so far. So I would love to see him faced up a little bit more. And uh, that could also be something that's better for his pro potential, which I know is maybe not as important to the staff right now, but it's going to be important to him. And um, we'll see kind of how that develops. But uh, uh, so far, you know, Whenever it's especially like whenever he gets a, a smaller player on him, um, just getting him on the block and and letting him go to that right hand hook shot, it's been pretty effective.
1: Yeah, no, it has. Um, and so, uh, you know, the other thing is they're taking what the defenses give them, which is what smart teams do. You know, it's funny, like a criticism, a common criticism that I somewhat agreed with Eric in in the past. Uh, although it's very generalized, but let's just say. Like as a baseline proposition, I definitely agree that Florida could be a little three-point happy um, in past years. And what I mean by that isn't that analytics are wrong when they say you should shoot more threes. What I mean by that is I don't like Florida's shot selection when they would certainly take threes sometimes. And I thought they were very over-reliant on that and not taking great three-point shots. I don't have a problem with a game like Troy where they shoot 30-plus threes when – they're collapsing on Castleton or Felder in the post on almost every touch, right? Like make decisions. If they're going to give you space, shoot the ball, make the extra pass on the ball reversal and, and fire away. Um, but it's, it's about making smart choices with those, with their shots. And I think Florida's shot selection has been very good, uh, early in the season, which has probably helped the offense, um, as it does go through sort of the growing pains of of fully grasping this, this system.
0: Yeah. And I think in the past, again, like the kind of stat that I pointed out that Florida has already taken a good chunk more threes off screen this year than they did in the entirety of last year. So you look at the kind of, The style of threes that were happening in the last couple of years and yeah it was maybe some guys that didn't love getting into the paint that didn't really have the ability honestly more so than the desire I would say just weren't particularly skilled at getting inside and finishing so it was just a lot of off the dribble threes that the defense was never really threatening never having to guard too many actions and they turned into not super high quality shots so Again, if it's guys coming off of pin downs and, and shooting balanced threes off the catch or shooting open three-pointers, like Brandon McKissick has got a bunch of and Unfortunately, they haven't fallen. Um, I've had no problem with that. That's one thing that's like really crazy about Brandon McKissick's numbers is like, like if you look at Flanders Fleming, I would say he's probably the guy who's shown the least excellent uh, shot selection. And maybe a lot of that too is just like over dribbling and sometimes he doesn't even get the shot up. But, you know, his, yeah. his shot selection has maybe been the one you're least happy with. But like Brandon McKissick, like he's shooting the ball poorly, but like, I don't remember many shots. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you got one on the top of your head, but I don't remember him taking many shots that I wasn't happy with. And again, maybe that's somewhat concerning that he's getting good looks and not converting, but at the same time, he's not out there, you know, hunting. So, uh, that'll definitely like when it comes to, um, again, these tight games in the SEC, like shot selection is, is, uh in terms of just maximizing the the value of your team. And especially if you're going to play great defense on one end of the floor, it's just like, if you can just get, you know, decent shots every time down the floor and not waste any possessions, you know, that's how you continue to win games.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's all a good point. I think Flan missing some practice also probably, um, contributed to his kind of learning curve being a little behind the other guys. But yeah, I mean, we always knew he was going to be a little more ball dominant. Um, It's tough to shake the, the muscle memory off when you were on a team that bad and pretty much had the ball all the time. And I think some of that was, was something that Florida understood when they took him and uh, the better it gets, the better Florida will get. Uh, We should talk a little bit about the second half of, of this basketball game. Uh, Florida gets behind by 10 points and then Ohio state has the ball after a flan Fleming dribble too long turnover. Um, and it, they go to a TV timeout. So Mike White doesn't have to take an actual timeout, but uh, out of that TV timeout, it seemed like it was seconds um, before Florida had cut the lead um, to two points. In uh, in fact, it wasn't seconds, Eric, it was one minute, but it was just amazing to see the burst and the change uh, with Florida out of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, that's kind of where you show just how veteran this, this team is. And for all these guys that continue to talk about how badly they want to win, it's like every single one of their actions has packed it up. Like whether it's their unselfishness or whether it's their, their drive, even when they're down 10, like again, as much as we, It's not like we're trying to like bag on past Gators teams, but you know there was a couple of those teams that if they were down by ten in the same situation you don't really like your chances to to come back in in those situations. So um, I, I think Tyree Appleby again, who um, in the box score didn't shoot super well, obviously hit the big one, but I, I think a lot of people kind of mentioned that they thought he didn't play particularly well until hitting the big shot. Um, again, I still think he played really well in that game. I thought he was threatening and I thought just his, his kind of presence every time he caught the ball, he was kind of getting Ohio state into, into scramble mode. Cause to Appleby was getting that first step or he was getting to the rim and missing, but drawing shot blockers. So uh, you can just see that he continues to be kind of like a leader energetically on the offensive end. And that's when you kind of saw um, Ohio state scrambling, which of course then uh, also led to some open threes.
1: Yeah, it did. And um, I, yeah, I would agree with you. I thought he was very active and, and forced the defense to collapse a lot, which definitely led to some open looks for the Gators, the Gators um, after one thing that kept happening in the second half was after Florida had cut it back to two, we went through probably the last 10 minutes of the game where it felt like for a while, as soon as Florida got it back to two, Ohio State had an answer with a huge shot. Usually EJ Liddell, sometimes Justin Ahrens, but you know what? Ohio State stretched it back to six once. They stretched it back to seven once. And speaking of always having an answer, like, you know, Florida always had an answer. Um, And then, you know, obviously uh, Kyle Young, Fouls out. Holtman gets the technical. Ohio State had stretched it to six. It gets back to two. Um, Brandon McKissick had cut it to two with a layup. Then Jamari Wheeler made a ridiculous three off a great pass by Malachi Branham, actually. Um, but it, it just kind of went back and forth like that for a while, uh, Eric, until Florida finally uh, took their first lead uh, on a Colin Castleton free throw with two minutes to go.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy just that they were behind for that long, you know. And sort like uh, it, just again in my in my kind of like memory of the game, like you said, it felt like they were kind of going back and forth. And um, what was kind of special about that was the fact that it felt like they were really going punch for punch. But really, like Ohio State had the lead for much of that, but Florida was playing as though it was a one possession game the whole time and then ultimately they go and take the lead. So um like you kind of mentioned too the ability to continue to get to the foul line like you look at a lot of those those baskets like um I'll also point out too like even of course like uh um it was the Colin Castleton free throw that put them ahead, but it was also Tyree Appleby uh, free throws that, that tied the game and um, just something where he continued to uh, continue to be so active. And, and CJ Felder had the, had a bucket just a little bit before that. I remember it was assisted by Tyree Appleby Um, Mm -hmm. CJ Felder again, playing his best minutes, like down there in crunch time. So, um, uh, and then it kind of goes to uh, probably what was my, favorite play of the game um something that I tweeted out and thought was pretty brilliant um and that was that Anthony Derugy um dunk coming out of that uh coming out of that timeout, yep. where uh Florida had ran um two actions that are kind of like like the Gators had ran it earlier than this but like when I think of that play it's like right out of Nate Oates at Alabama like out of his playbook and he ran it like a thousand times against the Gators last year in and they scored on all a thousand of them I'm pretty sure um where you kind of set up and like almost like horns kind of look and then one of the one of those posts clears out and and creates a gap for a drive from the guard and um Ta- Tyree Appleby, was ran for him both times, which makes sense. He's the kind of fastest guy to get into that gap. Um, he drew, he drew, you know, foul the one time to hit those free throws. And then once he missed the layup, but uh, you know, the, the Gators kind of go in that same alignment and Anthony DeRuji clears out and the defense kind of relaxed, kind of thinking on DeRuji thinking, oh, this is the same play they've ran twice. And it's to create this gap for Tyree Appleby. So um, when Anthony DeRuji clears, they kind of leave him. And then he gets that back screen from, from Con Castleton um, pass goes up. I've got to say, I, right when it was out of Tyree Appleby's hands, I, I thought he threw it too high. But uh, Anthony Drugi just so long and so athletic that the pass wasn't too high at all. It was absolutely perfect, and and he threw it down. And, like, I I don't want to be, like, too hyperbolic, but, like, honestly, that might have been, like, the greatest offensive coaching moment in Mike White's time at Florida. Like, to, to set up a play like that with kind of two earlier similar plays and then to run a counter – out of a timeout like that, that's a lob to tie the game. Like that's something that's like high level offensive coaching that like, to be honest, we just haven't really seen from Mike White so far in his, in his kind of tenure. So um, that was definitely my favorite basket of, of the game. And honestly, my favorite basket of the season so far.
1: Yeah, I thought it was terrific. Um, and, you know, I'll say in the building, it it looked like the pass was right on the money. Um, so it could have been like a camera angle. Uh, but I, what was funny was they ran the same action against Troy. And Troy, I guess, just watched the Appleby part of the film, bid on the same thing. But then Tyree threw the pass kind of poorly. Uh, but Derugy is still so freakishly athletic that he went up, caught it, and then dumped it off to Flan Fleming for a layup. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know it certainly is a play that that is working for Florida right now. And the beauty of it is if teams adjust to the deruji part of it, then it's going to free up the lane for Appleby again. So you know, there's always a re there's a reaction. Every action has its equal opposite reaction. Uh, so Florida takes the lead there. Um, but then, I mean, you have to give credit to Ohio state. Um, you know, they or that, I guess that ties it up. Then Ohio state comes down and uh they go right to EJ Liddell and he misses. And then, yeah, so that's what happened. No, no Ohio state reclaiming lead Ohio state. Then shoots through the Dell Florida gets the rebound. And here's the fun one. And I've got this from some people uh, on Twitter and some people leaving the venue, um, you know, and then I heard the Mike white post game comments where Mike was like, Oh man, maybe I should have called time out there. But you know, when we got the rebound, I figured other they're scrambled. Like, I don't want him to get set, but then when Myron got stopped, you know, I should have called timeout, but I didn't, Uh, and it worked out anyway. Uh, You know, I'm all for what White was doing there, too. Like, I feel like they're in a scramble. Florida's half-court offense hadn't been sensational uh, on the afternoon. They just kind of ran their best play (laughs) to tie the game, Um, so – you know, I was okay with, with how they approached it. And, you know, obviously very fortunate that the the Tyree shot went in.
0: Yeah. Like I said that I loved the decision to, to not call a time out there. And some people kind of on, on the Gator country forums were like, oh, you know, like, of of course, like he made the basket. So, you know, of course you like the decision. But uh, again, like, if you look at, like, I don't have any in front of me to unfortunately show anyone the actual numbers, but like, there's been a lot of study that has gone into these late situations of do you call a timeout or not, and the evidence is is pretty much, you know, pretty much always suggests you're going to be able to get a better shot when the defense is scrambled having to backpedal in transition um, than you are when they can get set up. And I'll also point out, this is not the NBA, so if Myron Jones gets that rebound and Mike White calls a timeout, you're not getting it on the, you, the, you know, you're not advancing the ball, and I think that's something that people... Almost f- forget, maybe not. Yeah. Like again, if you ask any college basketball fan, they're not going to be like, "Oh, I'm sure." If you call a timeout in the last minute, you advance the ball. <laughs> but I, uh, but I, I, I swear, when people think about like that decision of of what you do, they almost like they have NBA basketball, like kind of clouding their decision. Where if it was in the NBA, still the numbers kind of say what they do, and that's you probably shouldn't call a timeout there. But at the same time, at least you advance the ball and can run a, a sideline out a bounce play. um You know, <clears> for the Gators, <throat> they'd have to go most to the floor. And to do that with like five seconds left, um, probably not, you know, I I think they had just very clearly made the right decision. I will say when Myron Jones got the basketball, I think Myron Jones thought that there was going to be a timeout called because he didn't have any urgency to get that ball moving. So that's the only thing, too. So, like, you know, when he misses, I think Mike White did the very smart thing and said, you know, I'm not going to call a timeout. Um, when Myron Jones like stalled for two seconds, I could see for how in, in that instance, Mike White would be like, Oh, maybe I should have called a timeout, but I don't think he was expecting Myron Jones to catch the ball in kind of the way he did with his back to the play. So of course it ended up being pretty good, but like just as a general rule, even if that shot kind of rolls out, you know what, like a 30 foot Tyree Appleby shot in rhythm is probably still going to be a better shot than you're going to get if you've got to go most of the floor in in five seconds against a set defense who has then been able to sub in all their best defenders
1: yeah no i mean any i just like having that opportunity in scramble mode when you have a bunch of guys who aren't elite shooters but a bunch of guys that can make shots um you know i don't have any problem with that i'm with you and it was kind of classic mike white to even acknowledge that he like thought oh i should have called timeout, like Most coaches are never going to give you that answer. (laughs) They're just going to say, oh, we had him in scramble mode, and that'll be it. But Mike, like, walked everybody through everything. And so it's easy to second guess. Like, if he misses, of course, everyone would say, oh, I should have called a timeout, run a play. But I liked the decision, and obviously it worked out for Florida. Another thing that worked out for Florida was coming home and and playing Troy on uh, Sunday, the Gators – just eviscerate Troy, really two 13-0 runs, one at the very beginning of the game, one at the end of the first half, helped Florida build a 29-point lead at halftime for the second consecutive game. Uh, to Eric's uh, comment earlier, Florida's defense forces an opposing team to, to get a technical foul, uh, frustration technical. Um, you know, and, and I just thought a really good and focused performance, sign of a veteran team.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately it also caused a uh, frustration foul on Tyree be going to dunk the basketball, which I was, I was not happy about. Uh, not that anyone was, but uh, yeah, it was a dirty I play. yeah, I, I, I will say this is not really important to this talking about the skaters game, but it's just like, you know, like someone inadvertently swipes at the ball on a layup and, and hits the hit someone's forehead and rakes them across the top of the head. And it's like, Oh, that's a, you know, that's a Hit to the head, automatic flagrant one, and then you see like that was a two-hand shove to a guy in the air, like with the intent of causing injury. Like th- the fact that those plays are ruled the same, I just yeah, I, I, I and I know given the precedence of college basketball, that's not a flagrant two, that's not something to send a guy out of the game based on how it's you know is officiating college basketball but if there's like one thing for player safety it's like yeah like two hands shoving a guy when he's going up for a dunk like that like that is about as dangerous of a play as there is in basketball so anyways that was one unfortunate part of the frustration caused by florida's defense but like again i don't want to be disrespectful to troy here but it honestly like the first four minutes of the game kind of reminded me and i bet you have the same thing neil when you coach high school basketball where you can just tell in the first like four possessions of a game, if a team has any shot of winning, like there's just times where you're like, okay, are these guards struggling to get the ball across half court? Okay. No, like, you know, this team is losing the game. Like you just kind of have that feel. And that's kind of what it reminded me of is just like so quickly, not even the fact that when Florida was putting up points, just the fact of like, just seeing how difficult it was for Troy to even move the ball. It was just like, man, they are in for, in for a tough afternoon.
1: Yeah. you know, you mentioned on before the, uh, Fort Myers tournament that Florida hadn't really faced a team with very good guards yet and kind of continued. Like, I just didn't think Troy had any answer for any of Florida's ball pressure. Um, obviously Florida's little two, two, one press, uh, was another big problem for, for Troy and, and, um, you know, all of this sort of led to the 16 Troy turnovers, 11 of which came uh, in the first half when Florida built the 29 point lead. And and in the end, uh, the Gators who probably were a little more careless with the basketball than they wanted to be themselves uh, committing 15 turnovers, um, many of which came in a couple sloppy segments, one of which caused Mike white to actually call a, an irritated timeout early in the uh, second half. Like I said, I'm, convinced that was about offense and, and Florida being sloppy with the basketball. But on the bright side, Florida got a lot of players minutes in the offense. And uh, I'm going to keep saying it in these non-conference games against these lower majors, Eric, 22 minutes for Colin Castleton, man, that's what I want to see in these games. I don't want any high minute games for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was made easier too by the fact that Florida has, you know, six double digit scores, but the two high scores have 12, like that's about as balanced as it's going to get with, you know, two guys with 10 points, two guys with 11 points and two guys with 12 points. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. When you can kind of spread it out that way. Um, Myron Jones is just like, he's been eating a lot of minutes. He still had 28. I think he had 36 or 37 against, uh, uh, against Ohio state. So he's been playing a lot. So, uh both to kind of make sure that those guys stay fresh and also to to get some more reps for for guys like Quacey Reeves and, and Elijah Kennedy um pretty important so uh, i i did think it was great of course to see Elijah Kennedy knock down those shots and uh uh man to see uh to see Quacey Reeves knock down those shots that was great too uh, one thing i thought was like hilarious was just like so Quasey Reeves did not play like a super high level of high school basketball. So watching his high school games, like he legitimately got triple teamed in the half court sometimes, like in a way that was just like almost infuriating because it was like, this is just like not basketball to send three guys at Kwasi Reeves. And these teams were like content to lose by 30. They just didn't want to see you know, Kwasi Reeves, um, score on them. So for him to hit that like buzzer beater at the end of the first half where he was just like picked up his dribble, had to put it up. The defender knew it. And he just turned, used his length, used his touch and hit it. Like I have seen him make that shot 20 times in high school. And usually it was like, with like three, six foot one guards, triple teaming him. But, um, (laughs) so that was definitely like his style of shot again, not that you want him taking those, but you know, it does show that in those late clock situations, like, he just has incredible shot-making ability, and I do think that was nice that he kind of showed a flash. Um, and then th- the the threes he hit, like two corner threes where he just um, quick releases, just drilled it. Um, loved seeing that for sure, and I know you did too.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I thought uh, that's so huge that that they could get him going a little bit. And, and you know that they've got such a high opinion of what he's capable of um, because – they do give him that green light. I mean, he had taken three, three pointers within 90 seconds of, of being on the floor. And, and I thought, uh, you know, that's, that's fine. Quite honestly, um, you know, he's, he's gonna, his confidence is going to continue to grow and, and Florida's is going to need him. Cause I think, you know, when we talk about a team that has a bunch of guys that can make shots, but, kind of lacks elite, elite shooters other than Myron Jones. Like Koisi Reeves is an elite shooter. So if they can get him going, um, all the better. And obviously Elijah Kennedy uh, can shoot the ball too. What's impressive to me is that they clearly trust him defensively because he's playing quite a bit.
0: Yeah, someone said on Twitter tagging the show, I think, um, but kind of mentioned that like how for the last – you know, the last six minutes or whatever, I don't think Florida allowed a point or a field goal or something. And it was, you know, all Florida's um, bench guys. And I was kind of pointing out that like, oh, you know, that's the intensity of this team that they continued, uh, you know, they're up 40 and it's their bench players and they're still going all out defensively. And like my, my interpretation of that was almost different, not to suggest that it's not that that's just the culture that play really hard. It's just like, to me, pretty clear that like Kwasi Reeves knows that like this team's dna is defense and it probably doesn't even matter how many shots he's going to hit if he's not able to defend at the level that you know these starters defend so kind yeah. of seeing niles lane out there the way that he plays the way that elijah kennedy plays i will say you know especially with elijah kennedy and Quasey reeves the the shooters that can really get points like you could tell that both of them are also playing like Like they know it doesn't matter if they are going to shoot 50% from three if they don't defend. So um, definitely nice to see that intensity, but it's also like you can see when these guys are fighting for more minutes, they know it's not going to be by pushing it offensively and forcing up tough shots. It's going to be by being a defender that's the same quality of a Brandon McKissick or a Flanders Fleming.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that it was Ed Quigley. Um, Shout out to Ed for that stat. I mean, it was pretty cool. Two points in the last 555. Um yeah, it's pretty impressive. Kawasy Reeves took a charge uh in that stretch with like, man, and if you're taking a charge up 40 as a true freshman, like you get it. <laughs> um, which I thought something Flan Fleming actually told the media after the game. <laughs> like, you know, like defense connects us. We got Kawasi Reeves out there taking a charge up 40 points. Um you know, that's how you earn respect of older players. And then, yeah, I mean, my takeaway was a little bit different too. It was kind of like, well, they had CJ Felder, Niles Lane, Flan Fleming on the floor all at once. And like, you put those three guys out there, it really doesn't matter who the other two dudes are. You're going to be pretty good on defense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a a great point. And uh, um, even to see like, uh, like Gat Kick out there, poking away some balls using his yeah length. like um yeah some pretty good moments Matt, i just it was unfortunate to see niles lane again lose the handle on the basketball uh, um but again at this at the same time it's like this team might be I, it'll be interesting with niles lane because maybe it's like florida's like hey we just want to roll out like the nastiest lineup of defensive players possible and like maybe he gets on the floor and it doesn't matter that he's like again, when it's not garbage time and Niles Lane gets maybe gets out there with next to a Tyree Appleby, you know, next to you know whoever can handle the ball, Myron Jones, and then he doesn't have to be the guy that puts himself in position to dribble off his foot. Um, But at the same time, like you see, like you mentioned, the way Elijah Kennedy is defending, the way that we think that Kwesi Reeves can defend with his length and and, and his intelligence, <clears throat> oh man, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for Lane.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it was good to see him get. Uh, you know, three rebounds in his six minutes out there. They can always use somebody else to attack the glass. I still think they're going to have to rebound collaboratively. If I'm nitpicking anything from that Troy win, how do you nitpick up 39? I don't know. Listen to Florida Basketball Hour. Like, probably one of Florida's worst rebounding games. Like to kind of break even with Troy on the glass, um, isn't awesome? Uh, but. Uh, that's okay because they won by a lot of points now they'll head out uh to norman oklahoma um, and play what was supposed to be the back end of a home and home um, but will end up being the front end uh thanks to covid uh and and it's an oklahoma team that uh, like let's talk about as a program um it's a really i just think they're really consistent eric they're uh, constantly in the NCAA tournament. Um, it's one of these football schools that's had basketball success. You know, they've made 10 sweet 16s. They've made three final fours. So a little bit like Florida in that respect, like some some definite basketball success that maybe flies a little under the radar in that league. Um, but Porter Moser fits right in, in terms of who they bring in to run their teams and, Uh, I know you think he's one of the best coaches in America.
0: Yeah, I mean, I fanboyed for him, you know, long before he got to Oklahoma and is going to be an SEC foe. And to be quite honest, I uh, definitely fear him being in the SEC. Um, I I don't really know if he's going to recruit at a super high level but I don't think he even really needs to. And uh, just because of the way that he is able to coach X's and O's, like, honestly, I think he's as good as anyone in the country. So, and at Oklahoma, a place like Oklahoma, where you get guys that are probably going to stick around for three or four years. And with the transfer portal as well, um, I think that he is, uh, he's going to do really well. So you look at this year's team, like, They did lose a bunch of talent, um, both from like Austin Reeves going to the NBA for Brady Manick going to uh, North Carolina, um, Davion Harmon going to Oregon. Like they lost some guys. They they brought in a couple interesting players like uh, the Groves brothers who played at Eastern Washington. People might have maybe had their first look at them um, in the NCAA tournament last year, uh, Jordan Goldwire, who played at Duke for a number of years. Um, he was kind of like the classic coach K like for, I, I don't know if he, he doesn't do it as much these days, but throughout his career has done it where he just takes kind of a random three-star like 400th ranked player that he really likes. And that was Jordan Goldwire. He was like the 300 ranked player in the class of like, I don't know, 2017 or 2018. Um, and, uh, just kind of like was a good defensive guard for like eight minutes a game there for a number of years. And, uh, now gets to be a starter for, for Oklahoma. So I, uh, again, a team that is not super talented, I would say not super athletic, but you know, has a really old veteran guard and Jordan Goldwire and, and Tanner Groves is, is the better of the Groves brothers. He's the like six foot 10 kind of point forward they play through. But, um, yeah, just de- definitely, uh, you know, a bump class, we'll call it, um, during the transition, um, some decent looking players, but it's again, one of those teams where like, I, I like a lot of their players, like there are a lot of their players are like good to high level role players. They just don't have that kind of high end star power.
1: Yeah, they had, uh, they did keep, um, high four star CJ Nolan in the recruiting class. Um, it's going to be a point for Eric though, cause he's, he's kind of, uh, struggled with his minutes. He's playing about 14 minutes a game, which isn't terrible for a true freshman. It's just not as much as I thought kind of a high four-star kid would get, but Porter Moser has kind of eased him in. The other thing is that and I should have known this cuz like a little bit like Mike White, like you better and I, and I think Mike got away from it a little bit by necessity, whereas Moser would like never compromise on these things. Um but like you better play defense if you play for Porter Moser. And I think C.G. Nolan, high four-star scorer. Like At some point, they're probably like, dude, you need to do this shell drill a lot because like we just really need you to play better defense if you're going to be on the floor. And so he's kind of adjusting to that. Um, And right now, they're trusting other people to score. They've played a lot of close games already, Eric. Uh, They've won most of them. They lost to Utah State. Florida fans know all about that. Uh, Utah State's good, sound, fundamental basketball team you kind of have to be to beat a Porter Moser team. In my opinion, like you better play fundamentally sound basketball. Honestly, like I just think this is such a great test for this, this older team because they're going to go, they're going to play a natural road game to be quite honest, Oklahoma could really use the quad one win um, with the group that they have. This is going to be a great opportunity for them. Uh, every coach wants to win a big game over a ranked opponent in year one at a school. Uh, so, you know, Oklahoma will be ready. That place will be juiced. But I also think like Florida's the more talented team. Um, and you know, they're certainly just as experienced, if not a little more old, uh, than Oklahoma is. And, and they're kind of a good matchup for a Porter Moser team, just the way that Florida defends.
0: Yeah, just kind of like you mentioned about um, wanting to beat a, a ranked team in your your first year. I mean, the the home games that Oklahoma's had this year, Northwestern State, they're awful. Um, University of Texas, San Antonio, they're really awful. And then Houston Baptist, who is pretty bad, and they had like a 55 to like 45 win over them, like which I'm sure was not an electrifying game. So um, this is the first high major opponent that... Um, Oklahoma's played this year, and uh, Porter Moser is probably thinking like, "Hey, I beat them back in 2017 or whatever with my loyal Chicago team." So uh, maybe he, you know, is is feeling confident there. And you know, we, again, he should. I, I love Porter Moser. I think he's amazing. But um, uh, the, the matchup again is kind of interesting too because they play a lot through Tanner Groves. They're they're kind of skilled center. Um, he can shoot it a little bit. Really good passer. He can go in the the post and score as well. But again kind of like I mentioned before, they play the five out. Uh They played it at Loyal Chicago under Porter Moser, better, really better than anyone in the country, like factoring in how good they were with uh, not elite talent. Um They're the best, you know, five out team in college basketball. So um they still run, run a little bit of that, especially those pin down into dribble handoffs. Those are really tough to guard. And um with like Jordan Goldwire, you know, he would be their starting point guard. He's not a super like, break you down big threat off the dribble not a great shooter um so it really is for him kind of like getting getting Tanner Groves into this situation where he can catch the ball on the high post and then it's guys cutting off him really well and I know Neil you'll really enjoy watching that because it's something you talked about earlier how you're hoping Florida does a little bit better um well that's something that Oklahoma does really well so um Florida is definitely quicker like uh you kind of mentioned earlier they're a very quick team and that is not a word I would use to describe Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma is also not particularly big um, or, you know, especially on the wings. And uh, I think the Gators are going to kind of, kind of like a lot of the matchups on the floor.
1: Yeah. The one guy that stands out to you when you look at them is, is a matchup issue is Jalen Hill. Um, and Florida kind of has a nice antidote to him in, in Flynn Fleming, uh, six, seven wing Hill, pretty solid defensive player. Um but not really a guy that they rely on for much scoring, although they are pretty balanced in, in how they've scored uh, so far this year, Eric. They have only two players that average double figures, but they have uh, five that average eight or more. So they spread it out a bit, a little bit. Elijah Harkless um, plays the most minutes for them. He's probably, I think, I don't even think probably, like I think he's their best defensive player. Also hit a huge shot to beat uh, UCF. In Orlando, uh, this weekend. So a little bit of an improvement, um, at least their guards are veteran guards and emotion Gibson and Eli Harkless.
0: That's a good point. Sorry. I was just thrown by, uh, maybe a walk-on named Blake Seacat. That's just a, an amazing name that took me by surprise. It also looks like Jake Moser is on the team. So, uh, I, uh good. Hopefully we can get some, uh, some walk-on battles. Um, but yeah. You, you like like you kind of mentioned I would say Jalen Hills got kind of the like a pretty interesting player Elijah harkless again one of the more veteran veteran guys I know he started his career um oh, where do you start cal State Northridge or something like that but you actually do like I, and you mentioned it earlier but um you know Jordan goldwire is a senior he might be a 5th year senior even I, I he's just I feel like he was a Duke forever and, and Gibson their shooting guard who's probably their best maybe their best shooter he's a senior harkless senior um Tanner Grove, senior so Um, yeah, veteran team, one that's not particularly talented, but um, playing a very well-coached senior team on their home floor, like, yeah, that could be dangerous.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at a minimum, it's the best group of age and kind of salty experience going to be responsible guards that Florida will have faced. Um, I still don't necessarily know if they'll have quite enough punch offensively to to knock the Gators out. But again, I mean, things can happen when you're on your home floor. Um, and, you know, it's certainly possible. Um, they have not gone to their and much. Like I mentioned, I do think CJ Nolan is a bit of an X factor uh, just because of his ability to shoot the basketball. He's at 40% from three point range. He's about a 43% three point shooter in high school, which is a ridiculous percentage can really score and a guy that was committed to play for Lon Kruger and like Kayvon Allen and Kavarius Hayes at Keystone decided to stay and play for Porter Moser when they made that hire. A little easier to stay when your dude's been to the final four with Loyola Chicago, in my opinion. But, um, you know, credit Porter for keeping him in the fold. They have another kind of interesting freshman player named Ethan Chargo, uh, who is a big, and then uh, a top 10 Juco guy named acolda myween who um, has not uh, played too much, but it'll be interesting to see if like everyone else that has played Florida, I mean, hell, Ohio state ran Joey Brunk out there for a few minutes. So it seems like people are just running whatever they can at Colin Castleton right now.
0: Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, will they do that? We'll have to see. I, I would, I would have to expect it. And, and again, like, Uh, Tanner Robes is is a really solid I I really like him he's probably the best player on the team I would say Um, but uh, you look at kind of the foul trouble situation that Florida has also put some of those kind of similar players in um, and that'll be uh, that'll be a pretty pretty important one so um, what do you what do you see kind of like the keys to to Florida um, from an offensive standpoint for this one
1: yeah I mean I I hate to say like make shots but (laughs) um, actually I think So I wasn't nuts about 15 turnovers against Troy, right? Like I just think taking care of the basketball uh, is so important, especially on the road. So we just need responsibility with the ball. I put a turnover number on the Florida state game turned out to be pretty close to right. So I'll do it again. I'll say 10 to 13 turnovers, depending on how they are uh, is about what I need from Florida. I think anything more than that, and you're probably freeing an Oklahoma team that I think will struggle a little more in the half court, um, and and letting them get some maybe easier looks at the basket, which is probably their path to victory.
0: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I, I one thing that's um, pretty interesting too with uh, with Oklahoma, I, I find is like they're one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country, but they don't really go off the offense. Go yeah, they don't have really go after the offensive glass. So like something that kind of speaks to their like they're going to try to just get back in transition. Like they probably are kind of aware that they're not particularly athletic. Um, They kind of need to get back in transition. So a a team that just generally plays pretty responsibly um, they used to be like, like when Florida first lost to loyal Chicago and uh, they went to a final four, uh, they were like a pretty strict pack line team and just like, dare teams to shoot over the top, never let anyone in the paint. And it was a strategy that really worked for them. Then with his more recent loyal Chicago teams, they, they started to get a lot more aggressive and, and deny some ball reversals. Uh, but with this Oklahoma team, yeah, they're, they're playing a lot more conservatively. So for that, if, if the Gators were to have turnovers in this turnover problems in this game, it's probably a, somewhat concerning because uh, it's, it's not an Oklahoma team that's, that's trying to turn over um, opponents. Um though they, they actually their turnover percentage is, is, is pretty good, but again, largely against some pretty poor, low majors. So uh, I, I, just, but just kind of looking how they play, like, yeah, they're just like not looking to be super aggressive. They play man to man. They don't um, they don't press. So uh, turnovers. Yeah. Definitely something to watch for.
1: Yeah. And if you're looking for like things that are really good signs or omens when they played Utah state, um, Justin Horvath, Uh, or Justin Horvath, Justin Bean and Brandon Horvath shot 13 free throws for the Aggies um, in that game. That's a 6'7", 220-pound power forward and a 6'10", center. Um, And neither of them really have the athleticism that uh, you see in a Colin Castleton. uh, C.J. Felder, Anthony Derushi kind of mimic that. Now, look, I'm not Comparing a wooden candidate, a wooden award candidate, and Justin Bean to anybody on Florida's roster, but the fact that they were just a real handful for the Sooners, Sooners under uh, under the underneath the basket uh, was a big deal. Um, and Utah State turned the ball over 15 times, um, still managed to eke out the three point victory, mostly because they were able to get to the free throw line because it was just hard for a team with an athleticism deficit to deal with the Aggies and, and the Gators. While they aren't going to out athlete a lot of people in the SEC, uh, they're definitely, I think, a little more athletic than the team they'll play Wednesday night in Norman.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And uh again, I just I I think the key to Florida will really be how do they guard all those five out actions from uh from Oklahoma. And and honestly, I hope that um afterwards they see what Oklahoma ran and they're like, hey, we're running a similar offense, but they ran this particular thing a lot better than us, or they did this out of it. Let's steal it. Cause um, yeah, you're gonna see some some really good stuff from Oklahoma.
1: That's it. Um, If you guys are looking for the game Wednesday night, kind of dawned on me that maybe that's kind of worth throwing out there for some people uh, because a lot of people haven't checked in and I know people are going to check in on Wednesday. So I'll tweet this out too in case you didn't get to one minute, six seconds into the pod, but uh, Valley sports is carrying this one. Um, So, you know, if anybody wants to throw Eric Foss at a Bally sports link and a VPN, so he can make sure he gets it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do that, but that's where you can catch the game, Eric.
0: Yeah. That's a good, uh, that's a good note because I know people are for sure going to, there's definitely going to be some people that like, you know, whatever the 7:55 trying to find the game. And they're like, "What? Well, it's not an sec network. It's not an ESPN. What's going on. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully this isn't a common thing. We'll we'll, we'll see how the uh, the VPN situation treats me to uh to get this one. Uh time will tell, but um you know, I'll, I'll I'll definitely watch it eventually, but if I'm not throwing out many takes on Twitter, it's might be because I'm like 10 minutes behind waiting for it to upload on one of the uh the kind of coaching analytics tools that I use cuz uh which I sometimes have to resort to in situations like this. So, but anyways, that is a great note Neil that you reminded people that uh it is not on a regular network and uh, listeners should definitely uh, tell a friend to, to make sure that they don't miss the
1: uh, the start to this one. Cause it'll be a good one. We will get back to uh, a show, a game. Um, but yeah, like Eric said at the beginning, the Thanksgiving holidays in America make that tougher while Eric just enjoyed the basketball. So I'll let Eric sign us off. Uh, obviously a fun show and, and first six and start in the Mike White era. See if they can make it seven on Wednesday. Go Gators and keep attacking closeouts.